every first star that I saw in the sky, I would always say, you know, starlight, star bright, the first star I see tonight, I wish I may, I wish I might, I wish the wish I wish tonight. And I always wished on the first star that, again, that I wished I was slim, that I wished I was smaller like like everybody else, like my friends. And, and I think even now thinking about it, I feel really heartbroken for that young girl, I feel sorry for that, for that, that young girl who felt as if she had to wish to be like somebody else which is really, it is really sad. And I always, obviously spent a lot of time wishing and hoping about my weight to be different. Hello, welcome back to another episode of Simming Stories. I'm your host, Claire Oldham-West. If you're listening to this on my Instagram account, as I record the intro to the podcast, you will see that I've got some quite festive attire. This is tinsel taken from the tree. And basically, at this time of year, I wear lots of dresses with buttons down the middle. But for some reason, I put the weight on, generally just to lead up to Christmas. And the tinsel really helps just to rein in that look. So this is my fashion tip for the day. If you're a lady with a similar similar issue then please just grab the tinsel off the tree on Christmas day wrap it around your neck and you're good to go there really is no need to stress there's lots of reasons to be stressed at this time but buttons on a dress is not one of them now today's guest Kirsty Ingram has lost over seven stone following Slimming World she's also a consultant and you're just in for a great treat today so I split Kirsty's podcast episodes over two episodes, Kirsty had a lot to say, and it was all glorious and fantastic. And the thing I love about Kirsty is she's just such a, a stunning lady, and she's always showing up with a, a beautiful smile, whether a larger size or the beautiful smaller size that she is now. She's now at Target, and I know that this lady will really, truly inspire you. So, is introducing Kirsty to part one of her slimming story. If you'd just like to make a start with your journey, Kirsty, I can't wait to do this interview. I'm really, really excited. And I think what really triggered my excitement was going onto your Instagram account and watching you <laughs> jump around with some pots of jelly. And I'm like, my goodness, I can't wait to get her on. I really can't. <laughs> <laughs> with the information that you sent me, you mentioned about your birthdays. And it sounds that, you know, a lot of the guests that have had come on have, have had similar stories or journeys to myself in the it's not the case that they found that it was overweight in the 20s or the 30s. It started much younger. So you'd just like to start with your birthday wishes and what they meant to you. So I, I was at a young age, I was very, very aware of my size and my weight. Um, not necessarily that I was overweight, I would say. I was always, you know, bigger, maybe broader than the other kids. Um, you know, I was always the one, you know, in school photographs, I was always the one standing in the back row because <laughs> of my height. And do you know what? I wasn't bullied as such, but people would make, you know, slight digs about my weight. But I think for myself, I was always very aware that I was bigger than my friends. I always wished, I think, you know, when you were younger, I always wished I was like somebody else. I always wished I was thinner. I was always wished that I was slimmer. So every birthday wish, you know, where you've got all your candles and everybody sang happy birthday. Um, the thing that I always wished for every single year was to be slim like my friends, to be slimmer, to be smaller. Um, and even to the such, you know, I, I live in the, the north of Scotland and 
you know, being in a small village, we, we have the benefits of actually seeing the stars. I can see the stars at night. Um, and I always, every first star that I saw in the sky, I would always say, you know, starlight, star bright, the first star I see tonight, I wish I may, I wish I might, I wish the wish I wish tonight. And I always wished on the first star that again, that I wished I was slim, that I wished I was smaller, like, like everybody else, like my friends and, and I think even now thinking about it, I feel really heartbroken for that young girl, feel mm. sorry for that for that that young girl uh, who felt as if she had to wish to be like somebody else, which is really, it is really sad. And I always, obviously spent a lot of time wishing and hoping about my weight to be different. Yeah, I think when you're, when you're in the class, and it sounds to me like similar to myself, you, you know, it was all, always on the back row, in the school photograph, <laughs> in the group photograph, I always got picked for netball and things like that because I was very tall. <laughs> I can remember family outings with my cousin, with my younger cousin, and I was always comparing myself to her, but actually her mum was quite small and she was a petite frame. And I can remember we'd, we'd gone out for this this day out and we'd, we was holding these monkeys, real monkeys. <laughs> <laughs> when the photograph came back I thought my goodness I, mean, I was like a foot and a half taller than my cousin and I was like double the size and I, I was you do get really conscious don't you of, of those yeah. times and when you're having photographs taken at a younger age but what point did you actually remember having those feelings at what age? I think even Claire as early as six years old mm. um being you know I I in Scotland we start school slightly earlier so I was in school maybe about four four and a half um, so uh, yeah, primary two. So yeah, about six years old, I was very aware of my weight, and probably more so when I was maybe about eight or nine. Mm-hmm. Um, swimming lessons would start, you know, at school. Yeah, you start doing your swimming lessons, and everybody. <laughs> oh my days! That's terrifying. Again, I was I was very I was very aware of my size, but I wouldn't let it stop me from doing things as such. You know, yeah. I want you know I, I loved swimming, um, I loved sports. So confidence wise, that's something that I've never really struggled with. But that also comes from my family. My family are that kind of family who are loud. You know, if you want to, if you somebody's got a story or somebody's got a joke or somebody wants to sing or has a performance, we're that kind of entertaining kind of family, but right. loud. Yes. Um, even on both sides, like my mum's my side and my dad's side. So I knew from, you know, that if I wanted to be heard or if I wanted to be seen, I had to have that confidence. So that was instilled, at, again, at a young age that, you know, to push myself out of my boundaries, to be kind of the, almost like the funny one as well. I was always right, the funny yeah. one. I always wanted to crack jokes. I always wanted to tell a story and be involved. So confidence-wise is something that I've not struggled with, but it's something that I've had to adapt and develop over the time, over my yeah. over my years. Things like, like schools. School wasn't negative for me, but I had to find my place in school I had to know who I was who I was going to be in the pack of friends or who I was going to yeah. be in the class and it was the comedian it was the class clown somebody who you know wanted to be friends with everyone and I wasn't going to let my weight or my size um dictate that right yeah so yeah so things like things like swimming or school discos or you know things like panto or plays you know I always got involved I never I never stood in the sidelines that's um that, that's a great thing about that I can remember my 
swimming and you're gonna laugh now <laughs> I can't even believe I'm telling you this so we had the swimming lesson I've always struggled when I was younger with my getting out of the swimming baths with my arms and when I used to go with my family in fact I used to go with swimming a lot actually with my neighbours I was always swimming and then we had this swimming lesson um, at school and then it was we was doing the widths not the lengths so I was nowhere near mm-hmm. a, a pair of steps to get out of the swimming baths so the teacher thought it'd be a good idea for one of the students to get one arm and then another to get the other and then try to like lift me up because I could not get myself I couldn't pri- I could not prize myself <laughs> out of the swimming baths and oh my goodness honestly since then um in fact actually that was in secondary school and then luckily honest to god god was looking down thinking right clay that that was that was really bad for your first year at secondary school my best friend at school her mum was a teacher at swimming and i got my mum to write me a note for swimming um to say that claire's ill and this one this one year the whole, I, d- I didn't swim at all. And then my friend's mum came over and obviously we knew each other. And she's like, right then, Claire, how many lengths can you swim? And I, t- I told her exactly. And I was actually a strong swimmer. And I got a C. I got grade C for swimming. <laughs> but I didn't swim at all. And you have to make these decisions and these choices in, in the moment. And that was one of the most embarrassing times of my life. It's like this. <laughs> and I can remember thinking, there's no way on God's earth am I going to get in that pool again. But it's great to have a, you know, a humour and, you know, you can look back now and we can laugh about it, can't we? But when, you, when yeah, we're in the moment, it's, it's a different story, isn't it, entirely? You're absolutely right. And, you know, there's there's always, like, certain stories, you're right, you know, at school or high school that you can pick out mm-hmm. that was potentially, you know, weight-orientated, but you try and laugh about it at the time. Yeah. Um, for instance, I, I must have been about 10 years old and I broke, I sat on a seat and I broke the seat um in class and the, the the leg of the chair is literally just split away yeah and there was me sitting on the floor oh, and I goodness. just remember I thought right I could start crying <laughs> or I could just make a joke about it yeah. so it was just you know I just at the end I just made a joke about it made a laugh about it you know like trust me to kind of break a chair in, <laughs> in class but Again, it just stands out. These are things that are easily Definitely. forgotten about, but sometimes they're just, they're just ingrained into your memory, aren't they? And you think, it's because it was me potentially weight-related, and I was obviously really embarrassed, but I had, to, yeah. I had to kind of do something to kind of overshadow that embarrassment, and it was always laugh or humour. Yeah, and it's great that you had that confidence and that you, know, you didn't go through bullying, because some guests I've spoken to, they, had, they did receive the bullying. But I guess being quite assertive and positive... And being, you know, loud and proud, that that kind of got you through, and you was able to deal with whatever difficulties you had with with the humour. Is that would you say that was right? Yeah, absolutely. And you know, going into as I say, I wanted, and even now, I want everybody to be my friend. You know, and I always try and try and put myself into making friendships. You know, I, talking to people, getting to know people. So I even did that in primary school and into secondary school as well, you know, getting to know people that weren't... Because secondary school can, you know, you can form cliques, you know, can form yes. groups really quickly. Yeah. I tried to not be within that kind of clique. I tried to get to know everyone. Okay. Um, and I think I think that helped with the side of not being bullied. I think if I was maybe an, like an outsider... Or an outcast, I know I can understand how 
how people can pick on almost looking like the weak to get bullied. But um, I I was always the one as well. You know, if somebody did come up with me with a jibe or a comment, I was very quick, you know, back at them with, you know, usually, again, with humour, not with anger, yeah. not with not with um, frustration or, you know, aggression. It was always with humour, which I think some people, you know, it's like they can't, they don't know what to do with that then. You know, no, no, if, sure. she's, if, she's, yeah, if she's laughing about it, I've not really hurt her. But obviously deep down inside, when somebody does say something to you, you know, it does, it does hurt. Definitely. But you've got to try and combat it with something else. You've got to try something and fight else. it with another thing that's not rage or... And also I didn't want to waste time, you know, crying about things or worrying about you know my weight I just wanted to I wanted to have fun yeah absolutely do you feel that going into secondary school trying to not go in the click and trying to make friends with everyone do you feel that was kind of like a coping strategy to not come in under fire so to speak from from bullies is that the way that maybe your younger self thought actually that'd be a great idea if I'm friends with everyone then nobody's gonna have a bad word to say about me Absolutely. And even now, even now in my 30s, I do the same. I still do it. I still no, do it. No. I think criticism is is a difficult thing. And I think probably the last three years I've really thought about, you know, everyone, and this is going to sound really controversial, but everyone is allowed an opinion. You know, when, when you think about the most evil people that have existed on this on this planet, Hitler, you know, he was allowed an opinion, you know, we, we couldn't do anything to him to not have an opinion, but he had an opinion. And if somebody has an opinion about you, then that's that's their issue, you know, that, that's their, their business. So welcome to that. Yeah. And that has no reflection on you as a person. But I think that that comes with with time. It's hard, isn't it, to take criticism, but definitely I think as a young younger child to to have that strategy and Going into your teenage years after school, how did that serve you with, with that attitude and trying to be friends with everyone and trying to keep up using that strategy almost to, to, to not come under fire with criticism? When I left secondary school, I, I left secondary school and went to university. I, I went to art school when I was, uh, I just turned 18 in Dundee. And I think but there was even a switch then, you know, regards to, I think, just being that little bit more mature. So from the age of 17, nobody ever mentioned my weight or commented on my size. And I think even then, because nobody commented on it or nobody mentioned it or nobody used it against me or put any negative connotations towards me regards to it, I think I took a step back mm -hmm. from it. You know, if, if they weren't aware of it, if they weren't making any notice of it, why maybe I shouldn't. Yeah. Um, which I think was slightly detrimental because I gained weight because I wasn't really aware of it. Like I knew I was big, I knew I was overweight, but everybody accepted me for who I was. Mm -hmm. So I kind of accepted myself for who I was. Yeah. Um, and I've always, you know, I've always surrounded myself with, you know, positive friends, even, you know, I've seen from high school, going into, going into university, but again, getting to know everyone, you're right. I think even then, and still from that young age of trying to get to know everyone, I've done that, I've done that throughout my years, but you're right. It's almost like maybe trying to get them on my side. Yeah. yeah. You know, if you like, if you like me and I like you, you're not going to hurt me. 
Exactly. And it's it's interesting yeah. to hear you talk about your younger, younger years at like secondary school and and feeling really conscious of your size and conscious of, you know, comparing yourself to other girls. And then mm-hmm. now as a teenager at, at university, feeling accepted and, and gaining weight just because you, that was no longer, it's, it no longer took your, your attention. Yeah, it wasn't an issue. The only thing that I suppose that I missed was, you know, you're talking about now I'm a young teen, later teen, so 17, going into my 20s at university. It's more materialistic than things that you were more aware of regards to your weight, regard, you know, like clothes, mm. style. <laughs> Especially being at art school, you know, everybody's yes. got a style and yes. <laughs> I'll look at art school. Um, and again, it was almost, what would the word be? Um, reinventing myself. Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's almost like, it was like another stage, still being overweight, mm-hmm. but reinventing myself in a different way. Yeah. You know, I'm no longer, I'm no longer somebody at high school. Um, I'm now independent, living in a di- different city going to art school, studying, being around all these other creative people, you know, who do I want to be? Who do I want to look like? What, you know, yeah, yeah. I kind of got into kind of crazy styles. <laughs> it's funny because obviously, you know, you going out shopping with friends and, you know, you're talking about the early 2000s. So 2002 to 2006, I was at university and, um, you know, everybody's going out shopping. There's me, I can't buy anything because by that time I'm probably of what a size, 2022 yeah. and all plus size things at that time was not accessible you know you couldn't I think the only place that you could buy clothes was like Evans yeah plus size even so being a young you know a young woman um there wasn't any style so I I kind of went down the androgynous style I was wearing like suits and ties because I could fit into men's clothes better yeah. So I'd wear suits and ties, um, Doc Martens, so buying yeah. accessories. But like you're saying, Claire, I shaved with my head off. I ended up with a mohawk. You shaved your head off? <laughs> my goodness. <laughs> your hair, hair I shaved my hair um, And I had a mohawk, which wow. was... I need these photos. <laughs> you don't need to see, Claire. Nobody needs to see those photos. <laughs> they are hidden. They are definitely hidden. Um, but again, it's funny because... That for me was almost a reinvention of my myself and how mm-hmm. to tackle my weight. And it was my hair. And I don't know if anybody said this before in your podcast or etc. But I didn't want to be recognised for being overweight, so I changed the way that I look. So by having a mohawk, by having really short cropped pixie hair, yeah. Um, I wanted to be known for the girl with the short hair. Yeah. Not as the girl that not as the girl that was yeah, not as the girl who was, you know, twenty yeah, eighteen stone, nineteen stone at the time. You know, that's Kirsty's a girl with the short hair. And it's funny because I continued to cut my hair short right up until I lost all my weight. Goodness. So it's almost like you needed that. You needed that distraction for yourself. Because yeah, while like somebody's looking at the hair, they didn't, you know, notice you. And Aoife Larkin, who was a, a previous guest, she's lost 40 and a half stone, might be a bit wow. more, with Slimming World. Um, she's in Ireland. And she she mentioned the same, that she used to have this, this bright red hair. And the, that that was her thing. She was noticed for the hair. And, we, we you know, we adopt these coping strategies, don't we? And they, they work really well. And this, obviously, 
served you fantastic. You've got the suit on, you've got your hair and this, <laughs> this amazing style. And I need these photos. I don't care what you're saying. Oh I need these photos. And I'd, I'd, I'd imagine that you, you must have developed such a strong sense of self. And to imagine that look, that is a very unique individual look. That confidence must have been, you must have been booming with confidence that time. Yeah, I kind of, I owned it, you know, I mm. owned my weight, I knew I was overweight, you know, you're talking about now that, you know, I was very aware of it now from six years old, I'm now 20, you, as, I, as I said before, you adapt, but how, how you adapt and how you want people to perceive you with your confidence, the way you look, you're right, you've got to own it though, and I, I did own it, you know, I was like, this is who I am, this is what I look like, I'll tell you a joke, <laughs> be my friend, let's... <laughs> Let's move on. Yeah, you got it right in the bag. So a young age. That's it. That's how I coped. <laughs> so going through university, and I don't know what your university life was like, but there's often lots of drink, lots of um, convenience foods. What was your favourite meal at that time? Oh, Claire, you've got no idea. <laughs> I was, I was drinking a lot probably a lot of cider as well because mm -hmm. um, that's classified as a soft drink um right is it yeah <laughs> Touched on that no, one. I, yeah. I was definitely definitely out a lot I I actually worked when I was at university as well I worked in a, a pub a karaoke pub nearly every night and I also worked for a nightclub um, later on so I was up, I was always up late. Um, if I wasn't working, I was drinking. And then, yeah, talk about convenience. You know, as a student, you're either constantly eating out or getting takeaways or living off big family bags of pasta. But I, where I lived, there was a takeaway around the corner. They knew me by name. <laughs> and it was always pizzas, pizzas and kebabs, I think right, I was okay. living off of. Beautiful. Um, to the point, I remember phoning up something like Domino's, and the, again they would answer by my name, and I always used to get freaked out how they knew my name. <laughs> but obviously they had my details on the system. But I'll tell you a story. So I graduated, and we do like an end of a year show. So a year later, after I graduated, my friend and I went back to Dundee where I studied, and so you're talking about a whole year later. And we ended up back at the takeaway that I'd usually go to. And the place was busy. There was a big queue. And as soon as I walked in, three of the staff turned around to me and went, Hey, where have you been? <laughs> We've missed you. And you're talking about like a whole year. A full oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. I still laugh about it. But yeah, that's oh. how that how much I was in there they, they knew yeah. me by name and they knew exactly what I wanted to order but yeah you're right university life is is not healthy when it comes to alcohol and and food um absolutely not no and after leaving university did you go through that okay I've spent you know four years eating rubbish processed food I'm now gonna get hold of this was that the time that you actually thought okay that was great fantastic but I'm now an adult I've done my time with study. I now need to do adult. Is that the time that things are going to change or did it just continue? You would think it would, Claire, but um, <laughs> no is probably the answer. 
to give you a kind of past history of what my eating habits were like, you know, we talked about childhood and we talked about going into university. So I, as a child, I would go round to a friend's house and I would have my dinner at a friend's house. Let's say for a Sunday, I knew they had Sunday dinner maybe around about one o'clock. I'd have my dinner with them and then I would go home and I would have dinner again with my own family. So, um, and then uh, when I was a teenager, I worked in a chip shop. So, um, again, from the ages of probably, I think, maybe 12 to 16, I was working in a chip shop. And I would get my dinner home. I would have, a, you know, like a, a sausage supper or, you know, a fish supper. And I would eat it on the way home, walking home. And then I would get home and my mum would say, your dinner's in the oven. And I would eat that. Gosh. Even at things like at high school, you know, I was eating things like pancakes, crisps, chocolate. School dinners always had chips with it. Um, when I came home, um, I was always making a snack before dinner, you know, which was always like more crisps or like pot noodles. Mm. Um, so then going into university where I hadn't learned how to eat properly at all. Like I knew how to cook, you know, yeah. basic standard things. But you're right, then alcohol and takeaways. So when I left university, I, you're talking about, you know, a good 15 years where I had been overeating, not eating healthy, not having a clue where to start to eat healthy. And when I came back yeah you would think that I would maybe then go right that's me now I'm 21 at that time I was probably about 18 stone when I left uni and yeah I should have gone right now's the health kick but I didn't I didn't at all I, I got another job in a pub while I was working at, I was also a graphic designer and got a job back at home where I live in Elgin and uh I was out again every weekend. I was out again, eating out takeaways, convenience foods at night. I would mm -hmm. maybe be having like a family bag of Doritos and a big bar of chocolate or eating some Ben and Jerry's to myself. There was no real kind of urgency. No. To, do to lose weight. Did you ever feel that connection with your hunger? So what I mean by that is, did you ever find a time where you recognize that you were hungry and that you needed to, to eat for hunger and on the, the on the back end of that did you ever feel full so when you for example when your mother used to do your meal or when you went out for a meal was there a point where you, your brain kind of connected with what was happening with the food and the digestion and did you ever feel that that full feeling or was it just a case of never feeling full i think it's, it's a case of never feeling full i can eat even mm -hmm. now i can eat and it was even things i don't, I don't want to say i think i hate this word greedy um, i hate it i don't think it's a it's not a great word at all and i don't think i was i don't want to say that i was greedy i always say that i had a big appetite but i think i was just eating for the sake of eating Mm -hmm. it's almost like you know when people are bored and they, they yeah. straight away go for food I loved eating a lot I still love, <laughs> like I still love eating and I think I think even now you know even when I was younger you know I was ordering you know like somebody would come across with the kids menu and I'd be like that well yeah I don't want the kids menu because I want a big portion 
I want a proper, you know, a proper size portion. Yeah. Give me the adult menu. And I'm talking like when I was like seven years old, give me the oh, adult menu. I, I yeah. Want a, yeah, I want a proper portion. I was eating for the sake of eating. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Total mindless eating, not mindful at all. And yeah, there'd be times where I go, oh, I'm stuffed, I'm full. But there's always room for pudding. <laughs> or there's, absolutely, there's always, absolutely. Yeah. You can go out for, to a restaurant with your friends or family and then it'll get to the, the dessert menu. And then people say, I'm too full. I'm like, for goodness sake, it's dessert. How can you actually be? You know, dessert doesn't fill you. It's just a nice thing to have. And I think a lot of people that have an issue with the weight, obviously including myself, is the issue that we've kind of lost a connection, a disconnect almost with our minds, what we imagine about food, what we imagine that taste, you know, for example, like you read, you know, you go to a restaurant and you, you read the beautiful, the beautiful menu and it's not a case of, right, this is a piece of fish and some veg, it's like, you know, steamed fish and garlic butter and all the, you know, it's really beautiful and how they, it's like a, almost like a story that the restaurant's trying to to tell you and, and get you, you know, your, your juices flowing in your imagination. And I think there is a real disconnect with our imagination, with our minds and our gut, because our guts, I know mine in particular, must think, for God's sake, Claire, I'm full. I'm, you know, you, you've, you've fed me. I am full. Please stop. But no, the imagination, after I've eaten a, a really nice meal, especially in a restaurant where usually, you know, it's, it's, it's quite rich, I will then go on and have a dessert, regardless what my gut is telling me. I will then then go on, but there is a a real disconnect, and I don't know if you've ever felt this, where you've eaten some food and you've not stopped, and then you've eaten a little bit more and you've not stopped, and you've sat on that sofa and you felt so uncomfortable. Does does that is that relatable? Yeah, absolutely. You know, the discomfort is absolutely there. But again, why you know it's it's things like well why why does that why does that not change what what I do you know it's almost I don't know so it's taken is it, is it taking pleasure and having that kind of gluttony of you know eating till you, you know you can burst mm-hmm. um, and it's it's funny because you're talking about looking at a menu you know even now and even back then I would look at a menu and go right what's the thing that I'm going to get most of yeah. You know what's going to be the bigger portion thing that I can order, not not to the point of something that I want or something what I like. You know, it's almost like right, what do I get that's yes. going to fill me up? Yeah. Um. So, yes, there has been points where you you eat and you eat and you eat till you feel as if you you know you just can't do it anymore. It's a self punishment, really. Yeah. It, but it's definitely a form of abuse, and it's something that I've talked about in the past with other people, where. You know, it's the shame, it's the guilt. You know, I'm shameful. I can't believe I can't stop. Um, the guilt, you know, sets in. This is, you know, Kirsty, this is who you are. This is what you do. You know, why would you be any different? And you're like, oh, I'm right. You know, you're right. I should just, you know, keep eating. And it is definitely a form of self-abuse where you eat and you eat and you eat and you can't stop. stop. Often when you're in that moment and the imagination's going and you're not really listening to your body you you know you're self-sabotaging like you said it's like a form of abuse it's really hard to stop and to get yourself into that headspace of, of committing to loving yourself because that you know that you know that is basically what it is it's it's, it's abuse almost isn't it and it's the case of yeah. why can't you love yourself enough to to treasure your body you know this is this is your body 
this is your health and it's, it's a very it's a very difficult conversation to have with yourself and from leaving university like you said that didn't happen so at what point from there did it take for you to to make the change with your weight so you can imagine throughout throughout all these years and throughout the process you know my my family um my parents especially were always trying to encourage me to do something about it and I was you know rebellious I was rebellious no I'm not doing anything I'm fine don't worry about me I'm okay the usual I'm not going to you know somewhere where I've got to pay money for somebody to tell me that I'm fat yeah. I'm not doing that I'm not <laughs> doing this classic <laughs> classic rebellion overweight <laughs> how dare you tell me to do this you're the one that feeds me you're the yeah. one who's telling me that you I should finish me. my meals <laughs> you made me do this um I I think it was probably at the time where I was kind of now going out with friends. So you're talking about, so I came back from university 21, you're now talking about 22, 23, 24. It was actually a fellow work colleague who became a very good friend of mine. Um, and she actually became um, one of my um, housemates. She, she, she lived with me and she rented a room. And she was, the kind of person who really took pride in her appearance mm -hmm. um you know her hair was immaculate her nails were always done and she always took time you know for, for her makeup you know she loved fashion she dressed really well and again I was just like you look brilliant you look amazing and I kind of wished I wanted to be a little bit like her like again when I was a younger wishing that I wanted to be like everybody else I was now at the time where I was going out I was going out with you know her into pubs and clubs and I thought I I think I need to change slightly mm -hmm. to almost be kind of recognized you know as a, as a young girl you know you want to start going out dating you want to start yeah. having you know, boyfriends and things and that had never happened for me so I started regards to taking better better time in my appearance and um, I no longer had my mohawk shaved hair um, <laughs> I was no longer wearing suits <laughs> <laughs> started wearing dresses Claire I was wearing dresses wow. I started to look pretty so with that she was very health orientated as well she was she was into the gym she was into you know being very mindful of what she was eating and because she was living with me I could see what she was eating so I started to really learn from her what is it that I should be having you know, having things such as, you know, fresh vegetables, <laughs> fruit, um, healthy cuts of meat. I was like, I've never really been around these things before. Um, <laughs> so taken from that, what she was doing, I did notice that my weight um, had started to change. I probably lost about three stone. Right. By being more mindful regards to my choices regards to kind of my activity but again activity was always something that was built in into my lifestyle as well something you know regards to sports and things but it was more the eating side I started to wear dresses put makeup on started going out started dating so I think with that that was the start of me wanting to change my appearance and start losing weight brilliant so it sounds like she had a, a great influence on you like you said, you'd never had the boyfriends, you'd never had the dates. Did you feel that she received attention that you wanted but didn't receive at those times? Was that something that triggered you? Yeah, absolutely. You know, 
I had just assigned myself as the fat friend, you know, I, yeah, right. I'll go out with you, you know, I'll be the, I'll be the one that holds the bag. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be the one that holds the bag, but having fun, you know, again, I always yeah. had fun, I never stood on the sidelines, you know, I would chat to people, I would make friends, yes, I would talk to guys, but not necessarily, you know, they, they weren't interested, they wouldn't want to take me out on a date, but yes, she definitely got more of the attention. I think when I started to change slightly, I felt and it was almost like a different confidence. It wasn't a confidence as look at me, I'm the funny one. It was more look at me, I'm you know what? I'm not that half bad looking. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Check me out, you know, I'm yeah. feeling a bit better. I'm wearing a dress. Wow. Um so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just thinking it must have felt so strange. Your parents must have been like, say, say what? What happened? Where's Kirsty? Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. It was. It was a transformation. I think she was definitely a, a, a big influence in in what I actually realised what I wanted to be. Mm-hmm. Right. Definitely. And I know. Yes, it's more visual. You know, it, I think my personality, who I am, I was happy with. Um, my confidence, I was happy with. But just physical and visual, I wanted to change. I'm really glad that I released this episode today. I was thinking about when to release it. Should I release it over Christmas or should I go, you know, for the new year when people are more in the mindset about new starts? But I think we needed this. We really needed this today. You know, Kirsty with a smile and her inspiration and and just being realistic about how, you know, how challenging it, it can be to have those issues around around weight. I think it's nice just to... I guess, listen to somebody's honest story and feel, you know what, that, that is just like me. In episode two, you'll be able to hear Kirsty's journey in terms of the success that she's had. And I can't wait to release that just so you can see that these things are achievable. She's made fantastic strides in just, I guess, taking hold of, of the whole momentum of eating healthy and reining the weight in. But I think you'll see if you go onto Kirsty's Instagram account, that she's had great success. She really has. And I know that this will be a great episode. If you're listening, maybe between Christmas and New Year, I know that obviously the week running up to Christmas is really super busy, but maybe you found this podcast episode between Christmas and New Year. You're thinking maybe you've eaten too much over Christmas, like many people have, or maybe you're thinking, actually, I've got quite a few stones to lose and I know that Kirsty will really be the one to inspire you today and I know this is what you'll need at the lead up to new year just to give you that realisation that this is actually possible you know Kirsty's lost over seven stone this can be on the cards for you too for the new year and if you're new to Slimming Stories please hit subscribe wherever you're listening that would mean a great deal to me. I'm a one-woman podcaster and any bit of support is really, truly, gratefully appreciated. So all the best for Christmas. I hope it all works out for you. I know it's going to be very different this year. It's going to be very, very different. I hope that you are blessed with good health for the Christmas season. I will be here next week with episode two. And, and just to realise, you know, we've, we've made it this far. We've made it this far. We've done really, really well. We've built lots of resilience. And we've got everything that we need to carry us through to the new year. So have a great Christmas. And I will be here next week. Have a good one. <laughs>